Here we go again with knowing God with heart and mind that uh, regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm Pastor Dan. Sitting next to me is my lovely daughter, Bethany. And next to me is my beautiful girl, Irma. Yeah, Irma the cat. She's joining us for this one. She's perfectly satisfied <laughs> with our company. So we are looking at uh, chapter five of the book, The Great Divorce. And uh, this is another classic by Mr. C.S. Lewis. We call him Jack. And uh, he is, uh, that's because he liked to be called Jack. And we are uh, moving right along here because at this point we're looking at uh, a fat, cultured ghost with whom Lewis was discussing spirituality on the bus. And this guy really likes to debate, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. And upon his arrival in heaven, he once a bit, once again, he begins an intellectual and stimulating conversation with the spirit that was sent to help him. In his pursuit for religious truth, he abandons the one truth that would allow him to stay in heaven. And uh, this is what uh, this is what he says: We are afraid of crude salvation, although there's some afraid of a breach with the spirit of the age, afraid of ridicule, afraid, above all, of real spiritual fears and hopes. So this uh, episode is episode number six being recorded on March 13th, 2020. And the first question is, in this chapter, what more do we learn about the fat cultured ghost's history? And his relationship to the spirit with whom he is conversing. So the f <laughs> the names of these people it just cracks me up. Yeah, in in <laughs> you know in the mid twentieth century you could call someone who seemed large, uh, in proportionately, you know you could call them fat and get away with it. They weren't so sensitive back then. Well, I don't know if I'd call it sensitive. I just I don't like using that particular word because it's become. An insult. It's not a description anymore. Yeah, I understand. But anyway, that, I just the name is funny to me. But and, um, and by the way, there's just one thing I want to say about that because I was wanting to say this when we were recording the last episode is is I don't think I don't think C.S. Lewis ever wastes words, and I do think that if he calls someone fat, it's because he wants like he he described a fat unshaven fella. Yeah. Or clean-shaven fella, I mean. Yeah. Right? And it's like, what is he trying to say? He There's an image he's trying to give us. Yeah. And I, I just... So, yeah, anyway, but you were saying... You well, were about I, to answer the question. Yeah. Um. So he... The fat cultured ghost was... Is the same one that was um, talking to Jack closer to the beginning of the book. Right. On the bus. Um... And he, it turns out that he was a bishop, um, Episcopalian. Oh, surely. Yeah. Church probably. of England. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was, so he was a bishop and the spirit that he encounters, who he calls Dick, um, he says that they were like, they were really fond of having spirited debates um when they were alive like they would have all kinds of philosophical and religious discussions mm -hmm. um and 
so that's kind of where we're starting for this part. Yeah, and so the spirit that that is talking to him, and the spirit are the solid-bodied people who have made their way into heaven and uh, are quite comfortable there, and they've gone to great lengths to come back to the bus stop, so to speak, to, to try to lead their friends into heaven. And and the impression you get is that this, this uh, spirit who's greeting the elder fat philosopher, you know, is younger and it's just sort of uh, interesting because this guy is sort of a, a, a Anglican father figure, you know, he's, he's acquainted with it. So, so it's really interesting because there's a sort of condescending nature to this conversation and yet one's all the way into heaven and the other one can't get in. And so, you know, again, it's a matter of pride, but yeah. it's a little bit different. Uh, and again, I've met these people. I meet these more among the clergy. This one that we're getting to know is the person that I've met at different times among clergy people. They are people who are quite proud of their possession of knowledge. And uh, they, they have degrees and credentials and they have attainments that they take a great deal of pride on and they live for the admiration of their colleagues. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes the one thing that they're talking about most is the thing that is of least interest to them because they're more in pursuit of the accolades of, of their colleagues than they are the pursuit of heaven. So the ghost remembers that the spirit had become narrow-minded toward the end of his earthly life implying that the spirit had come to believe in a literal heaven and hell. So what's the irony in the ghost criticism, given the current situation? So, the funny thing, like, the, 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 I feel it's silly explaining it because it seems pretty clear, but mm. the funny, the, the funny thing is, is that he, like, we don't know how long he's been there. Right. In the gray town, which at least in our interpretation for the sake of this book is hell. So he's literally been in hell for maybe an eternity. Um, and now he's like right here, like he's at the bus stop to heaven and he doesn't believe in either place. That's right. He's there. Right. Like, Well, um, I, I hate to say this because of how this will reflect on me but it really is a discussion or a debate between religious liberals and religious conservatives you know mm -hmm. uh, a liberal says all roads lead to heaven a liberal says that that uh, there is no single universal truth there's not even a, a single source of salvation and a religious conservative a Christian conservative is going to say no Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. The religious conservative or the Christian conservative is going to say, there is a heaven and a hell, and there's a judgment that's going to land you in one or the other. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what you hear. And, of course, the, the broad-minded, intellectually superior, uh, 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 acclaimed by his colleagues, bishop, is going to say that you're narrow-minded if you think that way. And yet, 
in my mind, and this is something I've wanted to say to clergy colleagues many times, it'll probably come up in my blog one of these days, is it's just another form of pride. You're taking pride in your universal acceptance by people because of your great intellect and and uh, your your ability to express a wide variety of ideas uh, intelligently and you're taking pride in that and your pride is what's separating you from God that way as well that it's not narrow-minded to have a vast knowledge and still take the scriptures literally mm-hmm. you know and and so to have a liberal education and a conservative faith is a perfectly good thing. Yeah. You know, and most people can't... true liberal education. Yeah. Yeah. And, and most people can't... Re- they really can't get themselves there. And that seems to be... Uh, you know, that seems to be the, the particular issue at hand, you know. And... Uh, yeah. So, yeah... You know, recording while the coronavirus is wreaking yeah, havoc is really bad. hard because it's, my... it's like ding, 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 for goodness sakes. Yeah. So, so anyway, you know, uh, this has nothing to do with our topic, but, you know, when we talk about the difference between worldly interpretations of biblical truth versus conservative Christian, Judeo-Christian conservative truth... I've been telling people in my church, and especially today, that all you have to do is go to Costco or Walmart, and you can see how the world interprets chaos, and you can go to a quiet place where a peaceful, praying person is trusting in the Lord and waiting out the storm, and you will see someone who's embracing the cosmos or the perfect order of God. You know, wherever you see chaos, my friends, you are seeing the work of the devil. These are, this is one of my truths that I believe with all my heart. And if anybody ever bothered to write them down, they might say, well, you know, this is Dan's 10 absolute truths. And one of my absolute truths is wherever you see chaos, you see the devil. Wherever you see order and grace, you see the Lord, I you, agree. you know, just Completely. plain yeah. and simple. And this this stupid coronavirus crisis is a perfect example of that. So, And this is not biblical, but a person that I believe was very deeply biblically sound. I always, anytime chaos is reigning like it is right now, I always remember Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Yep. Yep, yep. And yep. be the helper, people. Be the helper. I'll say it. Be the human doing. There you go. You've said well. <laughs> you have said well. Yeah. So, but yeah, we apologize for the interruptions. It's just that we are recording on Friday, March 13th, and lots of things are happening related to coronavirus today. You got it. You got so it. So, if you're, when you're listening to this, you'll look back and go, oh, yeah, that was the day everything shut down. Yeah, hopefully by the time you hear this, you'll say, well, it sure is a lot better today than it was the day they were recording. This is our prayer. Yes, this is definitely our prayer. So, so what sort of criticisms do you see leveled at Christians today? 
And how does Jesus tell us to respond in Matthew 5, 11, and 12? Well, I'll start by saying that I think, unfortunately, Christians are still being seen as incredibly intolerant. Haters. Yeah. That's the words. And unfortunately, that word is true of some. Sure. Which is the really frustrating thing. Um, but yeah, I would say we're still, we're still being labeled as judgmental, um, going back to the big man from the last chapter. We're seen as that. People going to church all their lives and being sure that when they get to heaven, it won't allow people that you don't approve of. Mm -hmm. And then when they find out that that's exactly the opposite, then what do they do? Yeah. And so Jesus says, I believe, is this, uh... Matthew five eleven. This is the Beatitudes, part of the Beatitudes, uh-huh. yeah. So he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, I just have to mention, I started looking at the Beatitudes very differently because of our trip to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I doubt G is listening, but if G is listening, I was listening to you. Because G told us when we were at the Mount of the Beatitudes that we needed to really pull the board apart and start thinking about it as the B attitudes. Right. How we are supposed to be, yep. what our attitude is to be like. And this one's perfect. This, you know. And so. this from a man for whom English is a secondary <laughs> language. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing, I think. So, and I had never really thought of it that way, but. Kaweb so, Kadar. Yes. A.K.A. G. He's the G-Man. The G-Man. Yeah. And and see, there's the thing. It stands to reason that if you live your faith honestly, you will not be able to straddle the fence forever. Mm -hmm. And one day you have to take a stand. I'm in a time like that right now in my career, in my personal spiritual life, my Christian life. And the thing I can tell you is, is I'm one of those narrow-minded people that are going to get hurt because I chose to honor God and stand by scripture, but Mm -hmm. people will make it out to be something it isn't. And that's unfortunate. So according to the spirit, what is the fat cultured ghost's sin? Yeah. So the sin like directly named, um, because I think that's interesting too. Like with the big man, Lynn tells him what he's done wrong, but he doesn't directly name like your pride is your problem. Mm-hmm. He's, he just says like, you were not good in life either. Yeah. And you're making the assumption that you were, but in this one, Dick, the spirit tells him, well, you went to hell because you were an apostate, which I think is done really well because this guy is a very cultured, learned man who thinks he was really great. And then he gets called out for being what he really was, which was an apostate. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what kind of people would you consider apostate today? I mean, I I already sort of addressed that. I've had, uh, uh, I've had, well, um, I mean, you know, clergy acquaintances over the years that were exactly like this guy. I mean, anybody who claims to follow Christ, but then completely ignores key doctrine, absolute truths of the Bible in favor of their own personal philosophies. I think that makes you an apostate. 
um, because you're you're choosing to go against. <sighs> I bumped my cord oh. and it made a sound, and you're not wearing <laughs> headphones, so you have no idea how really. But yeah, I mean, he so basically what a headache that causes the ghost knew what the truth was. Yeah. And chose his own philosophies because he liked them better. Because it made him feel better. Yeah. Like, you know, people who run stop signs because they don't think they should really be there anyway. Well, and I think the other really significant thing is not only did he believe those philosophies, but he was in a position of power. Right. And he turned around and taught other people those things as truth. Which is Which very, is really bad. To me, that's the worst. That. That's one of the heaviest things that I feel as a pastor and a preacher is that, that that I have this heavy weight on me because people are believing what I say about the Bible and the Lord and you know I don't I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be found to have misled them. Mm-hmm. So in Jude three and four, Jude outlines how to recognize apostasy and strongly urges those in the body of Christ to contend earnestly for the faith. The Greek word translated contend earnestly is a compound verb from which we get the word agonize. Oh. What sort of description is Jude portraying in our battle for biblical truth? Who is called to battle? Just church leaders? No. I'll, let me read Jude 3. Okay. Four. It says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. No, it's not only pastors. Because Jude's not talking to pastors. He's no, talking he, to everybody. He, yeah, he's saying this is a, something that happens to everybody. This is something we're all supposed to combat. And I like that that uh, Mr. Vermelier, the author of the Bible study material, or the book study materials we're using, it, it, it teaches us that Greek root word because we need to know it's something to agonize over. You know, we've been hinting at how this day has been filled with a lot of challenging news about closings and you know our communities being shut down along with everybody else's and as a church pastor i'm trying to figure out how the church should respond and what i should do and and i've been agonizing over these decisions so i i today especially can relate to how you agonize trying to you know am i doing the right thing here have i spoken the right words how are people going to receive what I'm telling them? Is this what I should do? Is this God's will? And, and it, it, that's what it means to agonize over a decision. And, and in the same way, that's what we're being told to do in our pursuit of truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, you've got to invite the Holy Spirit into the process. And, you know, if it's easy for you to draw conclusions about things, then that should frighten you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, some things, yeah. you know. Um, regarding the denominational problems that are going on we haven't mentioned those in a while but when we regard those uh, it's helpful to me to remember that that we are agonizing our way through this and that's a good thing the people that worry me are the ones that say heck yes or heck no mm-hmm. 
and don't put any thought into it at all. That worries me a lot more because a thoughtless decision, that's, you know, the very premise of this, of this virtual church classroom. You know, the reason my podcast is called Knowing God with Heart and Mind is because it's supposed to be a process of agonizing through critical thinking. Mm-hmm. You're, you're supposed to really put your head into the game and then interact with your heart in order to come to conclusions that are led by the spirit. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. So, Yeah. Um, you know, the ghost thinks his formed opinions were not only honest, but heroic and risky. And he did not understand why he should be penalized for expressing them. So why did the spirit tell him that his opinions were neither heroic nor risky? Because he wasn't doing anything remarkable. He was tapping, like he was doing what was already he was doing the easy thing yeah it was already like he was tapping into what was current and popular right um which is again something that i see happening a lot now yeah and it is hard like taking the path of least resistance yeah it is hard to know with certain topics but i also think that if you're actually agonizing over said topics and how they fit into what god tells us is truth you're still doing better than someone who just says, well, everybody else says this is the truth of God. So, me too. Hmm. And I love this next one. At one point, the un- with unusual intensity, the spirit, that would be the younger, mm-hmm. tells the ghost, we are not playing now. Why did he use this approach here? Well, I think, uh, well, the really, I think the great thing, and not just with this particular spirit, but all of the spirits that encounter the ghosts that come to meet the ghost, they care deeply about the salvation of these ghosts Mm -hmm. and want to get them all the way there. And I think that's why the spirit's like, listen, this is serious. It's serious business and you need to wake up Yeah, because you screwed up and you still have a chance. Because he like when he tells the ghost that it's hell, mm-hmm. the ghost says, "Well, no, it's not hell." And he says, "Well, it might not be hell. You might call it purgatory if you stay." So he tells him, like plain and simple, yeah. "You have an opportunity here." You and know, we, we we were watching an episode of a show last night that I'm not going to name, but this wonderful character um, is in France, and he's a college professor from New York, and he's having the time of his life because he meets daily with these three men who are from different places and uh, he doesn't speak the language of any of them. He, he doesn't speak their language. He doesn't really know what they're talking about and they don't really know what he's talking about, but they meet every day to debate. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that they know it's a debate is because they recognize certain names like Kierkegaard or, or, uh, uh, lock or somebody like that and and so he really enjoys the debate even though he has no idea whether he's won lost or otherwise and they are all like that mm-hmm. all three all four of these men really enjoy each other's company and yet none of them understands what the other one is saying but boy did they have a great discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> and and apparently the winner gets to buy the the drinks for everybody <laughs> And, and that's just really funny. And I just think, you know, that's kind of what this guy's making me think of, you know, it's like, it's like 
he lived for the debate. He didn't even it care didn't, whether yeah, he was didn't right. Matter whether, yeah. Didn't even care whether he it's was ridiculous. leading people who looked up to him down a dangerous path because it was he just enjoyed yeah so the spirit asks the episcopal ghost a very pivotal question you have seen hell you are inside of heaven will you even now repent and believe what parallel question does jesus ask in matthew sixteen fifteen, and john eleven twenty six? And why is this such an important question? Well, in Matthew sixteen fifteen, he says, But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? And in John eleven twenty six, he says, And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Mm-hmm. I heard a really good sermon about that a I couple know. of weeks ago. It just keeps coming up. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't usually take pride in my <laughs> sermons because I shouldn't, but I thought that one wasn't bad. I thought it was pretty good. You know. But it's interesting when certain passages keep coming up for you. Yeah. And this is this is really just, uh, you know, what's the answer to the question to the, our book question is, is because some questions are more important than others mm-hmm. and some answers are more critical than mm-hmm. others. You, you need to be able to get this one right. Mm-hmm. Everything depends on you getting this one right. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because the ghost seems remotely interested in following his spirit guide if he can be given certain assurances that his talents will be used in heaven. How does the spirit respond to this request? No, because it's not necessary. <laughs> like, it's not that's about not a you. thing in heaven. Yeah. Um, like, you don't. You, the, like, there's not. There's not gratitude, like praise or anything like that because it's not necessary. Um, yeah, that we're just supposed to. Well, and, and uh, C.S. Lewis, Jack is asking us the same question. What does it feel like to realize that heaven doesn't need you? God doesn't need you. God wants you desperately. Mm-hmm willing to go to unbelievable lengths to get you to be with God. But he doesn't need you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go there to serve some purpose that God has, you know, like mm-hmm. you're the only one that can do this. Yeah. You know, uh, yep. it's like the, the person who threatens to quit gets told that they can go ahead and do so. And then after they're gone, they keep trying to tell themselves, they'll call me in a day or so because they're not going to last five minutes without me. And then the call never comes, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the great tragedy here is the ghost's inability to grasp that there there are such things as fact, truth, and Christ. Not able to break away from his desire, what does the ghost remember that it must do that is more important than going to heaven. And this really is funny and it's sad. It's so sad. It's just awful. Like, his friend is trying so hard to help him. And he gets all flustered all of a sudden. And he's like, oh, well, we have this really great little theological society that meets in hell. Yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm supposed to present my paper next week. So I, I can't come to heaven today. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so he's, he just cheerfully says, all right, well, bye. Nice, nice to have known you. 
and yeah, and wow. I guess I it says the 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 paper he's presenting is pretty awful too because it's about like how sad it was that Jesus died so young. Right, right, and and I'm glad you brought that up because if there are people listening to this who aren't reading the book, they're just listening to us talk about the book. Um, that is a super super poignant part of the dialogue that that we didn't address so i'm glad you mentioned it because that that's one of the things that you know this this bishop and this like i said i know these people i met these people they work in the denominations and and he literally is very proud of a paper he's working on that suggests that jesus might have accomplished a lot more if he'd lived longer yeah like how terrible it is that the founder of christianity died young and that right there is a demonstration that he has absolutely no understanding about the meaning of Christ's death. Yeah. You know, because he's treating him just like Muhammad or Confucius or the Buddha or something like that. And it's just like... It's really tragic. Yeah, it is. It is it's tro- really, really broken. Well, gosh, um, you know, friends you're you're so generous to listen to us and uh and to give this some sort of sense of value in your life um we don't say this as often as we used to because it's getting a little tedious but it's nice when we hear from you it really is it it tells us that this is of value to you um it even affects our decisions so i'm going to just be straight up with you when we were unable to record for almost three weeks, we decided that it would be okay because nobody was writing to say, where are you? We've missed you. Or nobody had written all of the months and years prior when we told you that we really would like to hear from you. Now, that might sound like I'm trying to guilt you. I am aware of those who listen regularly and attend the church and talk about our podcast with us face to face. So we know that it's being heard, and we know that it is of value to people. But when we ask you to just give us a, a, a nod, you know, just to say thanks for doing this, it in time will affect our decisions about how urgent it is for us to get in here and record some more episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just have to be honest with you about that because, you know, we do this for love of Christ and love for the people that he's called us to serve. And now with everybody self-quarantining you know yeah i was thinking this is an even more important thing yes exactly um we joked and well not joked but we said you know we're hoping and praying that by the time this episode reaches your ears we will be looking back at the last couple weeks and going oh well thank goodness things have improved but should they not it's really is more important than ever that you communicate with us via the facebook page um via the other internet social outlets that we have because it may be for some of us for a while our only yeah connection um it, we, so. we really might just be ahead of our time with the idea of a virtual church classroom and it feels more like a classroom when we're actually interacting yeah and uh, and we're up for all kinds of ideas you know we can use zoom or facetime or something like that you know we're, we're up for anything and uh if you'd start talking to us that makes a lot of difference Well, hey, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. And uh, just remember, if you want to learn more, go to uh, shilohjasper.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-J-A-S-P-E-R.org. 
and uh, go to the app store and look for Shiloh Jasper and these are the tools that will connect you with us most directly and uh, in the meantime God bless you and goodbye for now bye